Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome. What do you think about money? Do you think it has to do with your Catholic faith? Well, John and Amanda Texera from WalletWin.com are joining us today. They give the Catholic take on finances and sound financial guidance. So if you have a question, if you're struggling with money, living to paycheck to paycheck, maybe funds are running dry, whatever it is, ask your question now about money from a keen prudential perspective with Jonathan and Amanda. The number is 888-914-9149. You can also ask now on social media. We are going to talk about financial discernment. That is what to do with your money. There's so many choices and it's difficult to make a decision. So we'll talk a little bit about financial discernment and also investing, especially investing when you don't have much. We've heard it for years, wherever you're at, save for your future, save for retirement, save for college, invest in houses, invest in in gold or silver. So we'll talk a little bit about investing. Again, taking your questions, the number is 888 914-9149. We had a tough conversation yesterday about pornography. It was an important one. I hope you listened. It's shocking, but it's on the path to healing for anyone who's struggling with pornography. Today, I'm going to link a little bit of the connection between how abortion feeds that pornography addiction or specifically the pornography industry. So if you missed yesterday's conversation, you need to listen up, but also understand how the way we look at human sexuality today has impacted what we allow, such as pornography, because of abortion. So stay with me. We'll dive into that later. If you have a question about money, the number is 888-914-9149. Jonathan and Amanda from WalletWin, welcome back to Trending. It's great to have you here again. Thank you, Timory. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Let's talk about financial discernment. I know you guys have talked a lot about this, this whole idea of what do you do with your money once you have it? And I was intrigued by this topic because life kind of happens to us often and we don't always plan. There are those <laughs> planners and then there are people who plan, but life just happens too quickly. And then there are people who don't plan and you look back and went, I really wish I did something differently. So when we talk about financial discernment, I think this is a great Catholic take on being good stewards with regard to what we have in all over the gospel, especially the gospel of Matthew, we hear a lot about money, especially heavenly wages. Uh, and as parent, as a young parent, I know this is something I need to think about because it's not just me, myself and I, or it's no longer just my husband and I. Every phase has this moment. So what is financial discernment and what are those important things that we need to be looking ahead at? You're absolutely right to talk about how important it is to figure out what we should be doing with our money. God mm -hmm. has given everything to us as a gift, our time, our relationships, our family, and our money and the possessions that those money that, that money can purchase for us. 
uh, when we think about what we should be doing with this and we think about financial discernment, it really is applying the timeless values and tools that the church has given us for any type of discernment, but to a specifically financial context. Yeah. And we have a couple different pronged approach to this, if you will. So we teach in Wallet Win um, the 12 money milestones to help people figure out what is that next best step for me? Uh, all the way from, you know, getting your budget going to investing farther down the line. So right there, we give people a step-by-step path to follow so that they don't have to recreate the wheel and figure out what is the next best step for me financially. But then speaking about, you know, kind of the the tools of discernment that the church gives us, we personally love um, St. Ignatius of Loyola and the wisdom that he's given us in the rules of discernment. And specifically, there is, you know, there's different types of rules that he offers, but there are a set of questions that he poses to people that are discerning between two or three or more good things. You know, sometimes when you're discerning between good and bad, well, the choice is easy. It doesn't, it, it's pretty much obvious in front of you. And financially speaking, a lot of the decisions we have to make, it's not always that black and white. It's not, oh, spend my money on this evil thing that the church says is bad or give it to the poor. <laughs> it's not always going to be like that. It's oftentimes going to be, okay, what is the next best that thing for our family? Um, are we going to be spending to go on this vacation? How are we going to be investing? Are we going to be choosing to homeschool our kids? Are we going to uh, be able to prioritize um, Catholic school education? Are we going to be buying a home this year? These are more of those questions that we face as Catholics. And so when we pair the questions that Ignatius encourages people to consider um, about discerning goods along with the 12 money milestones, that usually helps people figure it out pretty quickly about where they should prioritize their their decision that they're about to make with their money. I think that's great as you're pointing to like all of these different things that you can think about, but you have this 12-step program that you use with money milestones there at Wallet Win. Can you share a little bit more about how we need to go about making those priorities? Absolutely. So you do need to take into account where you're at with these money milestones, with the phases of your financial journey that you're going through, right? If, if you don't have any sort of emergency savings set aside, well, then if you're discerning between, all right, I'm going to put this extra money into savings for who knows what's going to happen, or I'm going to throw it all into the stock market right now and see what happens. It's an easier decision to think, where, where am I at right now with these phases? Oh, I need to be building up my savings. I'm going to choose savings. Sometimes, like Amanda was saying earlier, it's a really tricky decision. There's any number of good decisions that you can make. And that's where we suggest folks lean a little bit heavier on St. Ignatius, especially when he's, he walks you through these, uh, these questions to ask yourself. Um, so the fr- there's three of them. The first is, if you were telling somebody else, if somebody else came to you asking for your advice, well, what would you tell them? helps you remove yourself a little bit, remove your emotions from it, and just kind of assess the situation. The next one is, if you're on your deathbed, if it's judgment day, and you're looking back on your life, what do you wish you would have done with this decision? And then the last one is just the tried and true, essentially the pro called list. What are the good parts about this decision? What are the bad parts about it? And how, are, how do I weigh those individual attributes that have come up? Hmm. 
I like that. And really taking it to prayer. Now, here's one of the things I see happen all the time. People say, okay, I'm going to pray about that. And then they pray <laughs> about it, but maybe don't think about it and pray about it. And then it just comes into this <laughs> cycle of doing nothing. So can you address that with finances? Yes. Um, sometimes there is that temptation for maybe a certain personality to over-spiritualize everything. <laughs> Um, and so we have to avoid falling down to that side of the equation um, and just know that the Lord wants us to take action. He's not going to call us to just sit forever. There are seasons where he's going to ask us to wait, and that can be painful and hard. But most often, there's going to be some sort of an action step that we need to be taking next. And often, it's going to be aligned with our vocation, um, and so we can look to our vocation. We can ask ourselves those questions that St. Ignatius poses to us. And then, you know, look at the 12 money milestones and decide what really is that next action plan, breaking it down into the next micro step. I don't, you know, you don't always have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have uh, the next five years figured out and planned to a T. Just what's, what's that next thing you need to do in the next week, in the next month? And that really does help those who are a little more paralyzed or prone to over-spiritualizing, waiting for a, a giant sign from heaven to just get your feet going because the Lord, like a parked car, you know, he wants to give us his grace, but he wants us to be in motion, to not be sitting there in park. He wants us to be at least in neutral, if not in drive, moving towards his grace, asking him to lead us, to guide us. And he'll always be there for that next step. You know, he, his word is a lamp unto our feet and he's always ready to enlighten our minds, give us ideas, give us the grace we need when we don't feel courageous mm. um, to make that next step. And sometimes with finances, we need a bit of that courage and um, there's a little bit of risk sometimes. And it can be a scary and vulnerable topic, especially depending on how money was experienced when you were growing up. Um, and so that's part of that process too of maybe unlearning some bad habits and just starting to to be a proactive person who is taking good stewardship seriously and you're stepping out in faith and you're doing that next best thing and you're trusting that God will give you the grace for the for the journey. Yeah, sometimes you just have to go for it. You got to mm -hmm. choose something. And right. if you are open and trusting in the Lord enough and vulnerable enough with him to say, you know, all right, I've, they all seem good. I feel like maybe you're directing me towards this or this. I need to make a decision. I'm going to choose this one. And please encourage it and bless it if that's the way you'd like me to go. And if not, like smush Lock it out, it. crush yeah. it. And, <laughs> and then, you know, close that door and direct me to the next one. And by doing that, you know, we don't need to have it all figured out. We don't need to have it crystal clear. You know, we don't need to have, uh, you know, Archangel Gabriel come down and appear to us and tell us what is going to happen. We <laughs> can step out of the boat, not quite knowing what might mm -hmm. be coming next, mm -hmm. knowing and trusting that, our Lord is going to take care of us. He loves and, us. He's our good father. Yes. And I love that. And to clarify, if you're thinking, okay, what does it mean to take something in a discerning way to prayer with regard to finances? Does it mean that I just keep thinking about it when I'm at church? Does it mean I just keep thinking about it when I'm at prayer? No, you <laughs> want to offer it to God. Say, here, I give this to you. I'm thinking about this. And then pray. Make your offering. Make your morning offering. Pray your rosary. Meditate. Don't sit there and think about your finances that whole time. Maybe there's something to work out. Um, maybe you journal. Everyone kind of prays differently in that respect. But I think mm -hmm. part of this is having that timeline, offering it to God. This is why I love being consecrated to Our Lady and St. Joseph, because 
I trust them, right? I trust their intercession. They're Mm -hmm. taking this before the heavenly throne. I ask for their aid. I leave it to God. And having that timeline, okay, I need to decide by next week on if I'm going to do X. But there are also things that are maybe longer periods of discernment. So the question I receive very often right now, and if you're doing just join me, that's John and Amanda Texera from Wallet Win. The question I often hear, John and Amanda, is what are you going to do? Are you going to homeschool your kids? Are you going to put them in private school? And the question comes up over and over again. I would never do public school. I might, might consider particular Catholic schools uh, for a season, Mm -hmm. but that does require money. And so for some people, it means starting to plan now for how to make that happen if you were to do that, but also making the right decision so that you could homeschool if that's something you want to do as well. All of this requires discernment and with money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know what? That's probably one of the biggest questions we've gotten in the last 18 months too, is Catholic families feeling confused and lost and not knowing what to do as our public school system more and more increasingly across the country is not an option. There might be small pockets here and there where it's not as intense and and woke and whatnot, (laughs) Um, but they're really small and far and few between. And then even some Catholic schools you know, are embracing different ideologies and maybe the staff and the teachers and some of the families there are not really living out their faith. So it's really, really hard. But then again, there's some really amazing Catholic schools. Um, And so we encourage families to prioritize the education of their children, sometimes even over maybe making progress towards specific financial goals. So if you and your spouse discern together that for the salvation of your kids' souls, you're going to choose with your money to prioritize homeschooling or Catholic schooling. Well, if it means that you're going to, if debt payoff is going to be a little bit slower, then so be it. Putting them into a situation where they're going to be in a public school that might not be good for them over the long term and you get out of debt a little bit more quickly, I don't think that that's worth it. And part of this gets into that second income. As Catholics, there's always been this tradition of raising our own children. I know this is a sensitive topic, but we've even had Mm -hmm. many documents from the church coming out out over this over the years. And one of the most recent ones, I think, was from um, Bishop Olmsted, and he challenged parents work to come down to one income so that mom can be home with the kids. And that's a hard topic when we start talking about private school. Can you talk a little bit about discerning that from that perspective as well? Hmm. I would say this is probably another, the first question is where to send. And then the second one is how can we live on one income? We get this question so often. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so, like you're saying, it's all wrapped up together. How we, how we care for our family, how we live out that call to be the primary educators and formators for our children and then how do we pay for this right if we're going to do homeschool well somebody's going to stay home can we cover all the other expenses of the house and with homeschool i mean you got to buy the books you got to get the curriculum like there's a cost there too uh and if we're going to all right we're going to send them to school well then can we afford that and everything else uh are we so there's so much it's all twisted up together um when we're looking at discernment, right, there's what's beautiful about our faith and about discernment, where there's so many things where there's a, a yes, a no, a black, a white, there's also way more situations where it's up to our particular family and mm-hmm. our particular situation. What are the schools like around us, public or Catholic? What is our 
ability or our comfort comfort level with homeschooling? Um, what is our financial situation? There's so much that goes into it. And so we need to be remember that we have been made in a particular way and we see certain things as like very important and very true. And so there's not one size fits all mm-hmm. outcomes for this. Yeah. But I would say practically, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. So practically speaking, you know, when a family comes to me and they ask this question of how might we be able to live on one income or how might we be able to afford Catholic school or homeschooling, um, I encourage them that, you know, this desire that's in your heart, it's, it's, it's probably there for a reason. Mm. And so I want to help them make this possible. But a lot of the times in our culture today, you know, the cost of living, where they are, they look at their budget, they look at the numbers, and there's just no way it could possibly work in their situation right then and there. And that's where I oftentimes will challenge them. You know, it might be worth figuring out a situation, kind of reverse engineer this. You know, you know that you and your spouse bring home X per month. You know you, you, know you need that. Um, all the bills you have right now and being able to afford one income or Catholic education, you'd need, you'd need this. Now you probably need, you can, you have the freedom to decide that you're going to find a place of living that's going to support that and allow that instead of just constantly month after month staying in a high cost of living area where you really can't afford it. You're racking up credit card bills and you're stressed out to the max. A lot of families we've seen do that over the last couple of years, but I know that there's still a lot of families afraid of maybe making a move to a lower cost of living area so that they could actually be a little bit more free in their finances. But oftentimes that is a realistic discernment that you and your spouse should make because if that's a desire of your heart and the numbers aren't there and you know there's not an opportunity to get a raise or... Um, for that single income to go up or, or receive promotions, then you've got to figure out a different way you could figure out this problem. I think Amanda brings up a really interesting idea here of the reverse mm. engineering, right? We essentially were counting the cost before we begin to build. We are saying, okay, in order to for our family to operate this particular way, which we have discerned is, I think, what we really want to do and what we're called to do, we need X income. Mm. Now we need right. to figure out how to get that instead of okay. allowing whatever our income happens to be to dictate our choices. Yes. And so like maybe that. that's yep. some sort of a, a, you know, just changing career paths or, right. or getting more education or something like that for that more longer term investment in your family. Yep. And I agree. And I think that, you know, when you have something that you discern that you really do think that you're called to for your family, you'd like to provide and maybe it's not there possible financially, discerning that and asking out, okay, I need X so much more. Lord, help me to hustle for this, right? And I think that's part of the beauty of historically, I think especially men in particular have filled this role, taking on an extra side job or side project here and there. Maybe it's a big project you take on in the neighborhood for someone over the summer because you have a little extra time, your kids can be with you in the evening. Different things that can occur that make it doable. I think we've kind of lost that mindset in some respects, and it's good to regain it. If there's something we are called to, to serve and take care of our own lives, our children's lives, I think that's key. And I think sometimes, too, we overthink it by thinking too far ahead. And something you both said earlier kind of 
brought my attention that don't think so far ahead that you're overanalyzing and hurting yourself now. But you know, there's a difference between living in the moment and just reacting to what's happening. And we need to be prudential and have that balance as we look at what we're called to here and now while being prudential about the future. That's John and Amanda Texera here on Trending with Timory from WalletWin.com, a great Catholic take on sound financial principles. We're going to come back talking about investing. Maybe you felt pressure to do everything from retirement, future, college, building wealth generationally. We're going to be talking about this, especially when you don't maybe have that much to invest. We'll be right back here on Trending with John and Amanda from WalletWin.com. What's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Jonathan and Amanda Texera from WalletWin.com are here to discuss your financial questions. The number is 888-914-9149. You name it. You're struggling with your finances, living paycheck to paycheck, working on your budget. They have keen insights. So ask your question now. 888-914-9149 is that number. Or you can ask on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, where I put up that question box. Okay, we did have a comment because we were talking about financial discernment earlier and what should you do with your money. And one of those big questions is school, school for your children. Do you put them in private school? Do you homeschool them? How do you drop down to one income? All great questions. I did want to take Christine and San Bernardino who had, I think, a relevant conversation because Jonathan and Amanda, you guys mentioned dropping um Dropping kind of where or moving, moving to a lower income area. So, Christine, what are your what's your question? Welcome from San Bernardino, California, our new radio station there. Uh, Christina, what's your question for Jonathan and Amanda? Well, I, my husband and I, uh, we have a year and a half old, and I'm currently four months pregnant. Congratulations! We, thank you. We can't afford the area anymore, so my husband and I have decided to as soon as we are, have our second child to leave the state, but we're just having trouble discerning where if you, if any of you have any recommendations of like a Catholic conservative area. Yeah. Great question, Christina. I have a few thoughts, but I'd like to hear from Jonathan and Amanda first. Go ahead. Well, I'd love to put a plug in for Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) That's the community we're in. And we moved here from a high cost of living area. And it's the cost of living and Catholic community here is fantastic. But I do see this question asked quite frequently in Catholic mom Facebook groups. And it's been fun to watch the answers over the years. And I already, you know, I've kind of looked at the comments myself, even though I love the area that we live in, just to kind of know where are these communities? Where are these pockets? So that when... I have people asking us where they might consider moving to. What are some of these hot spots, if you will? Um, they're all across the country. They're, you know, in different, a lot of them in the Midwest, a lot of them in the South. Um, but I would encourage you to check out probably some of these Facebook 
Catholic mom groups and even in just in the search function, you might be able to find this or just go on and ask a question and you'll get firsthand answers from other moms out there who've been in the same kind of situation and discernment. And it's neat to hear as I'm seeing a lot of this, you know, I've seen a lot of friends over the last five years leave. I mean, almost everyone, unless they have family in the area, leave. We left Southern California for a couple of years, came back because our family's here. Our network was here. We did not have a network that we moved into when we moved to the Midwest, Michigan. I think that's really key. Um, And so Mm -hmm. looking to where those pockets of networks are is really key. And sometimes even pockets of Catholic communities where there are other transplants as well. Because what I found was difficult is that some areas, for example, take the Midwest, they've lived there their entire lives. They have all their friendships and (laughs) there's no meanness about it, but there's a huge lack of welcome and invitation. And even when you try to push into the community, it can be kind of hurt hard. And I received that warning beforehand and I experienced it firsthand. And so I do think it helps when there's a little bit of a transplant community of people who've moved Mm -hmm. to kind of Mm -hmm. build that network because for some reason, they really had to leave the area they were in. Um, but I do, and it sounds like you have some thoughts, Amanda, but real quick, my other thing that's on my head is really discerning the family dimension of it because I think that's so key. We're called to live close and be connected to our families, and I think that's important for generational support. So sometimes that can be a part of the discernment if that is possible as well. Um, but your thoughts, Amanda, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, we actually discerned moving back to Omaha, Nebraska, because that's where I grew up and my family was and all basically all of my relatives. And I just laughed at your question because you're right. We've my family's been in the area for ever, you know, for forever. I've got tons of cousins, tons of aunts and uncles, no people that have been here forever. Um, so it is true. But I do think that there are those cities that have those thriving Catholic communities where it is more of that transplant, if you will, place. So when we were in Denver, Colorado, that's not a low cost of living area. It's a high cost of living area, but it definitely had that um, culture, if Mm. you will. So many families just moved there from other places. And I know that's happening, I think, in, you know, South Carolina, in places like Texas. Yes, exactly. So there's places that are more like that. So, you know, my husband, Jonathan, is from Pennsylvania. And when he moved to Nebraska, it was a little bit of a shock that, you know, everybody <laughs> knows everybody and everybody is related to a thousand people. <laughs> and that's just the culture here. Yeah. yeah. So, and I I mean, have... so, yeah, I think Go ahead. Timmy brought up a really good idea there or uh, something good to consider of the family uh, dimension here, whether, you know, family or uh, or think about just re- if you really tight close friends that you might yes, have and that's uh, odd parents mm-hmm. other other folks too there where, where that can be the seed of the community that you grow into you know they can introduce you to things and invite you to things and you have that deep friendship that you can you know just continue to invest in and have family-like support uh from mm-hmm. from something like that too And a word of caution, because I am seeing people who are trying to scale down to one income, have more space. They want their kids to have a yard. I get it. And I've seen some people move to different areas. For example, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, ton of transplants there. Lot great mm-hmm. big Catholic community, but it has gotten extremely expensive. I mean, housing has doubled mm-hmm. over the last handful of years. And I had friends who moved there right when it was transitioning and just trying to buy a house. It, it was really challenging, but mm-hmm. they had picked up and moved their family. And so sometimes it's not as rosy as we think in other areas. And so discerning what can I maybe do, like you said earlier, Jonathan, to hustle a little bit more 
and practically say, okay, maybe I only need, and I'd say only $12,000 more a year. What can I do to make that happen? Is that possible? Will it not create an intense strain, perhaps, on my family? I think that these are great questions asked so much to discern, but I want to dive into our topic now of investing. Investing when you don't have very much. There's a ton of pressure, Amanda and Jonathan, to invest, whether it's for retirement, future, college for your children, building wealth generationally. Everyone has a different reason. And I would love to hear your thoughts on how you get started or if you get started when you don't have very much. Those are fantastic questions. There is so much pressure to get going. With all things financial, there's a lot of pressure. Oh, these people are doing that. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, I'm not doing any of these things. And investing is one of those, right? You run into, maybe even out of our mouths sometimes, this idea of, you know, like it's like planting a tree, right? The best time to plant the tree was 10 years ago. And the second best time is right now. With, with things, when you need a lot of time, investing certainly benefits from time. Uh, yes, it is good to get going. However, it is never a good day to plant the tree if buying that tree means you can't make your bills or you have trouble putting food on the table or whatever else it might be. Mm -hmm. If it's stressing you out to try to plant this orchard, it might not be time to have the orchard yet. Yeah. And that's another reason we direct people back to our 12 money milestones. And actually investing for the future is milestone number nine. Um, and a lot of people will will see that and think, oh my goodness, there's so many other things I need to do before that. But wait, I saw that chart that said that if Jimmy invests $2,000 a year from age 18 to 26, he's going to be a millionaire. And I'm I'm 20 and I need to be doing that. But really, statistics have shown that you know, if you don't have the skill of budgeting, you don't have maturity with money yet established, um, you still have a lot of consumer debt, you don't have emergency savings, and then you go on to invest, well, chances are you're going to end up rating those funds anyway. Uh, we saw this happen even over everything that happened with COVID over the last couple of years. The mm -hmm. government even took the penalty away from people from rating their retirement funds. And you know what they did? They went in and they stole all of their own retirement funds um, and their investments. And they just depleted them completely because they were panicked about money. And so we put it as milestone number nine because you should go into investing under a place of a little bit of financial stability and, and some some other milestones need to be established along the way so that this is not something that is jeopardizing your family um, or your your situation at all. And then when it comes to the motive for investing, this is something, you know, we uniquely, I think, because we're Catholic and we're always encouraging people to do things from a place of virtue and not from vice. We do want to challenge people that when they're ready to take those steps with investing, like to, to really discern why are you wanting to do this? Is this so you can get rich? Is this so that you can just have a lot of material possessions? As Catholics, that's not a good enough reason to invest. Our reasons have to be, you know, that we are being prudent, we're being responsible, and our end goal is to serve those entrusted to our care, take care of ourselves during our non-income earning years, and then build up the kingdom of God as generously as we possibly can. And so those need to be our motives when we're going to be looking at any form of investing, whether it's buying into real estate or putting into the stock market or putting into a 401k with our with work. Um, our motives have to be right, and then we have to do it at the right time. And then from there, you know, we do encourage people to invest 15% of their income when they get to that place. But 
even if you if you can't and you only have a hundred or two hundred dollars to start putting away, it's just it's better than nothing. And as time goes on, that those will start to grow and it'll start to add up. And as the years go by, as your income ha- um, is just more naturally available to go into investments, you can continue to increase those. And then realize that as long as you're doing your very best, the Lord will take care of you. You know, if you're being a good steward of the income he's entrusting into you, you're investing as prudently as you can. You know what? You can't control everything and that he's going to make up mm-hmm. for the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so key. And I think there's a lot of fear today about investing for your future it, unnecessarily, right? I think there's a faithful component, but also a practical component, like you're saying. And in your 12 steps, you guys really focus on focus on becoming financially stable now. And I think that's so mm-hmm. key become financially stable now, have that money mindset, start to work on actually living by that budget and have a little extra stocked away before you get into all those other elements. Now, with, I think, a follow-up question that I would love to throw in there that isn't investing in our future per se for retirement, but is an investment in a different perspective, and that is tithing, giving that 10% that very biblically we can see is our calling. I hear a lot of debate among people, especially with everything from having student loans to maybe living paycheck to paycheck, how you navigate giving and giving too much, not enough, not at all. I'm curious to hear your thoughts when people don't have much, how you advise uh, financial support for nonprofits and charitable giving. We need to be approaching our giving not as not with a, a fair pharisaical uh mindset not thinking you know the this is the rules these are the laws and i need to check these boxes uh when christ came right he fulfills the the covenant and so just like you know the the laws and the rules there like you know god still you know wants certain things um but we're not bound to 10 percent anymore Right, but just like every, oh, pretty oh, much everything else, right? Before. When Jesus, yeah. So when Jesus comes, right, he fulfills the covenant. You know, he fulfills the law. So before it's like, yeah, don't kill anybody. Got it. Now Jesus goes, hey, we're free. You know, if you're living in this faith, like you're you're free from the law. But hey, um, you can't kill anybody. And if you think about it, if you're really mad at somebody, it's kind of the same thing. Or you can, yes. you know, no, don't no commit adultery. But if you're looking about at her and you're thinking about it. Uh, well, you should probably go to confession too. So he kind of ups the ante here. And so, yes, we need to give generously. 10% is certainly a good uh, bar, a good starting line. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some of us though, who, like you're saying, there's all these loan repayments. We've got all these kids. We are, whatever it is. If I give 10%, I don't know how I'm paying my bills. Mm -hmm. Jesus does not want 10% of your income then. But there's other folks then who... Even you don't have to be like mega rich to feel this way, to be in the situation either of I'm giving 10 per- I think I gave 10%. You know, I did. I didn't even notice or I didn't really feel it. So mm-hmm. we, 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 I'm telling folks here that you need to give a feelable amount. It needs to, you need, you need to hurt a little bit, right? Love until it hurts and then you'll love a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, this is the call when, when it comes to giving. And so it should be noticeable. You should know, all right, I'm putting this whatever amount into the collection this week. And because I'm doing that, we can't go out Mm -hmm. and have brunch after mass this week. 
And so when you do that, right, that's the opportunity cost. You can only spend that dollar once. And so by putting it in the basket, I can't get brunch with it. But if when, so when you're dialed in with your money, when you're budgeting, when you're paying attention, you know the thing that we're not going to do because we're giving this at this level. Then you can add that sacrifice on top of the financial gift. And now it's, it's, it's richer. It's even better because you're giving now, of, all right, we're going to skip this good thing so that we can give. And mm -hmm. that is going to, that's delightful. And then you get joyful. So that's yes, generous giving, right. joyful giving uh, to, to, to a point where it, it hurts a little bit because that's where it really asks something of us. Jonathan, I love this take on generous giving of taking that tithing mindset that so often it can be legalistic of I have to give 10% and then sometimes people can't give 10% so they give nothing. But instead it's having that contributive mindset. So you give what you can sometimes recognizing that's good to have it hurt a little. And I think that you gave mm -hmm. that great example. You increase that sacrifice by not just giving that money at mass, but also not going to Sunday brunch or whatever it is. Uh, and I loved a friend of mine about 10 years ago. I remember she said, I'm just not at a point where I can donate very much, but it's on my heart. I know I have a responsibility to give and it's good for me in addition to being called to tithe. And so she said, I've done different things such as I donate blood more often. I volunteer my time for nonprofit. I don't have funding, but I have my time and that's something I can give. And I know that's something I've done as well as giving more time when I maybe don't have the ability to give financially. But also I do throughout there, and I think you kind of touched on this, Jonathan, when you have family, you are giving in your family. What's key is that we have that generosity of spirit that God is calling us mm -hmm. to and that we're looking at our areas, lives in many areas fighting stinginess because stinginess can impact us in many ways. There are ways that I'm generous and there are ways I'm very much so not generous <laughs> and fail and struggle to be generous. Um, and, and so I love that take. So you guys, you have a great mindset on everything finances. I highly recommend Jonathan and Amanda Texera. They are found at WalletWin.com. I've tagged them on social media as well, but that's WalletWin.com. I'll be right back here on Trending, taking some of your questions and also discussing how abortion, the abortion industry Killing Babies is feeding many other barbaric industries in society today and how we need to have this mindset of restoring the family at the same time as being pro-life. We'll be right back here on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Taking your questions, and we'll talk about how abortion is feeding industries today that are absolutely barbaric, but how if we focus on restoring the family while being pro-life, this is the change that we need. This is what will change people to be okay with the overturning of pro-abortion laws in their state to protect women, protect babies, and protect families. But I have a question coming from Delia in Round Rock, Texas. Delia, welcome to Trending. What's your question today about discernment? Yeah, my question is in regards to um, an ethical, how to choose an ethical 
well, not how to choose, but how, how, okay, so I had an interview and I just have this ethical dilemma of I'm interviewing with a title company that basically gives out loans and um, they actually end up being pretty high interest rates. Um, I remember going with my priest to the Capitol and lobbying against, you know, some of these um, rates that are just outrageous. And I am not even a believer of credit cards. And so it's kind of like, I'm almost, I feel kind of like I'm, um, what is the word? I guess not selling my soul so much, but just, I have this ethical dilemma of how do I take on this job? Um, and I, the job that I have now, I still have ethical dilemma with that because it's a company that scatters ashes. And as a Catholic, we are not supposed to be doing that. And so um, if I, you could just give me a little bit of advice as far as how can I reconcile being able to, you know, we are called to go out into the world and to take on any position and every position because that's where we're called um, to, you know, spread the message of God to others. Um, so what are your mm-hmm. thoughts? <laughs> Should I take this? Yeah, Delia, so, Delia, so it sounds like you're a little uncomfortable in your job you're in right now because you don't completely agree and part of our faith and influences that with where you're working and you're also concerned with where you're going next. This is a great question. Discernment is something so important that we go through. Um, I think that I would throw some thoughts out there. First of all, you're interviewing the title company. They're not just interviewing you, and that's really key. So you, if you're interested in working here, need to discern what type of title company are they. I hear you say they have exorbitant interest. Everywhere has exorbitant interest. If it's a title company that's helping more often, right, to help with providing home loans, that's helping people to own homes. And we believe as Catholics in owning our homes. And so finding that balance, I would say, of discerning, okay, it's good to help people to be able to buy a home. It's bad to engage in usury. And so I would encourage you to figure out, are these people who I can work with, who have sound moral and ethical principles and how they are helping to loan money to people? If, for example, maybe it's buying a house or are these people that I can't work with and I'm not a fan of how they are seemingly helping people with giving out loans? I think that's key. It's kind of discerning in what way you engage both with the people internally within the company and also exactly how they are functioning as a company. So you discern and you interview the company just as much. Does that help? Yes. Yes, it does. It does. And I I feel like that they, they're there to help with home repairs um, and medical issues. And so I told him, I was like, I know of a person that, you know, she is a single mom, has um, three babies, and she had $2,000 due um, or else she was going to get kicked out of her house. And so I understand that people are in this bind and the fact that there's funds available is crucial and important. Um, but at the same time, I want to make sure that we're not taking advantage of people um, in these moments, right? And mm-hmm. so I... I think I am going to take the job and I'm just going to, you know, with the mindset of maybe this is something that I need to learn. And so hopefully down the road, I can have something um, where it's not as, you know, cutthroat as far as, you know, such high interest rates and 
of anything yep, like that. Yep. And I think it's important to discern two things. One, are we directly participating in evil? You need to discern that, right? And number two, we are obliged to follow our conscience. If we do not follow our conscience, we are a sin. We need to confess that. So I think those are two key things in your discernment to keep in mind as well. But remember, you're interviewing that company. You're seeing if it's a right fit for you as well. And that's always key when we have a job offer, a job opportunity that you have that mindset. Thanks for asking, Delia. I know your discernment process is and that you're sharing is helpful for other people to hear as well. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. And I want to talk for a moment about abortion. Abortion from a different perspective, and that is Yesterday, we had a really shocking, startling conversation about pornography and child pornography. It's the fastest growing industry in the world, and it plagues many people, many people of faith. And there are a lot of questions. Am I a predator? How do I get over this? There are incredible stories of hope and resources that we talked about yesterday here on Trending. I hope you will listen to that episode. We're going to link to it on social media, so be sure to check that episode out. But what it made me think about as I've been pondering these last 24 hours, that conversation, is how at the end of the day, abortion is the catalyst for what is fueling so many of these awful industries, industries, business makers today that are preying on the backs of people doing horrifically sinful things. And I think one example of that is the pornography industry. The pornography industry is fed in many respects by abortion, by contraception. This mindset that we can take intimacy between a husband and wife and take that outside of the context of marriage, that we can take babies out of sex and there's no longer purpose for sex or for marriage and everything's about pleasure. Abortion and contraception reduces intimacy that's meant to be between a husband and wife for the creation of new human life to strictly pleasure. As Pope St. John Paul II has been talking about it in our Theology of the Body series that we've talked about, uh, he mentioned in part of what I was discussing earlier this week, it's almost a reduction to just an urge on the part of the person experiencing it, that we're just acting on urges and on the individual who's been being exploited. It's a reduction of them. This is why Jesus calls us to have this integrity that we're not reducing people to objects. We're not reducing people to tools, to utilities for us to use. The utilities in our lives should be our gas, right? Our electrical, the tools to help fix something, our phones, all of those should be tools, but people are never tools. And that's what abortion does. It so radically diminishes our mindset about innocent, vulnerable children to whether or not this is the right timing to hold that baby in our arms and care for it, whether or not it's financially feasible, whether or not this baby was wanted or not. Abortion is the most reductive mindset we can have that we go so far as human beings that we are okay with killing our own. And that is absolutely frightening to see. You connect it even to things such as the pornography industry. China has currently 30 million spouseless men. China has 70,000 children who are trafficked. Why? Because of sex-selective abortion, where people are selectively choosing whether or not to abort based on whether the child's male or female, but also because they've had a one and then two child policy and now a kind of looser policy. But even then, people in China face compensation fees up to 10,000, or sorry, 10 times their annual salary. 
The baby born without the permission of the government is born without medical rights, without any educational rights, without any identity. It's awful what's happening in in China. But here's the deal. It's all connected to abortion enabling this and then enabling a sex trafficking trade of children. Children who are taken from their parents because the, go- because the government said you could not have that child. I think that what's important, the takeaway here, as we see state to state this battle over abortion, states swing so far in favor of abortion, such as my home state, California, an abortion sanctuary state, we'll pay for you to have an abortion if you come from out of state. It's awful. Rather than help a woman to care and love her child, we're saying, come here and we'll help you kill your baby. And people are doing it. California isn't the only state. There are others as well, Vermont, Michigan, others. We need to remember that the core of the abortion debate is restoring a sense of honor and respect for ourselves, others, and for the view of the family. To be pro-life is to be pro-family, to be pro-woman, to understand the pains of fear surrounding children, to understand the frustration and depression of postpartum depression, to understand the fact that many people haven't had the guidance of their own parents to make them feel confident in what being a parent would look like. There are many and various wounds surrounding the family, impacting this radical pro-abortion mindset What we need to heal is to help step into the murkiness of other people's lives to draw them back into a sense of healing and wholeness. Okay, you didn't have a mom. There's great maternal mentorship in communities. Can you be a mentor to someone who hasn't had a mom? Can you be a mentor to someone who's been ripped from their family support and is in a new marriage and trying to navigate the nitty-gritty of a new marriage and what it would look like to be a parent. There are so many elements to this radical pro-abortion movement. And we can break that trend with a faithful perspective where we take on a sense of responsibility for others in our community. We can't fix all the problems out there, but we can be alert and aware within our own communities of people who one day would be abortion-minded, abortion-vulnerable, by helping to provide guidance, to help to provide mentorship and friendship. I think this is key, especially for people who maybe see someone a little behind you. Maybe you are retired and your kids aren't in the home, but you know family whose kids are still in the home and maybe they need a little bit of guidance or just welcoming into your home. Maybe you started having kids, you know a couple who doesn't have kids yet, but they're interested, but there are some wounds there. I think there are many things we can do to prevent abortion that doesn't always give us the pat on the back saying, oh, hey, yay, this baby is here because of me today because I helped intervene because it's not. The baby's there because God helped inspire and call you in. But that we are seeing a pro-life culture before abortion even becomes thinkable in a situation where it could become possible. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Up next is a family rosary. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Are you starting to look for a good Catholic college? Well, we're going to talk about how to find one because you don't want to go to any Catholic college. You don't want to go to any college. It's important that you, your loved ones, are picking a college that will fortify the soul and truly build the mind in what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. So join me Thursday on Trending as we discuss how to pick a Catholic college 
6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.